Welcome to the Central Florida Buzz with Mike Cara, the podcast for Central Floridians who want to be in the know on what's happening in Orange, Lake, Osceola, and Seminole counties. Sponsored by the Central Florida Home Brewers, the premier craft and homebrew club. Learn to brew beer, kombucha, mead, or make wine. Visit www.cfhb.org. Now, here's your host, Mike Cara. Welcome back to our next edition of the Mike Kara Radio Show. The Central Florida Buzz is today. We are at Dead Lizard Brewing Company, uh, 4507 36th Street, Building C in beautiful Orlando, Florida. As we are going to be doing a segment on another great craft brewery, Dead Lizard Brewing Company. As I mentioned, with me today is head brewmaster and owner Richard Dine. And Richard, it's a pleasure and honor that you could join me today and tell us all about your great brewery. And first of all, you might, might know what question is coming first is how did you get this name we got to talk about this name is there the interesting story that i think there is about it or well a good afternoon and thanks for coming i appreciate it uh yes the name i get asked that a lot uh so it's not a great story but uh it's interesting uh so i was mowing the lawn and uh, uh my wife and i had been thinking of names uh, for the brewery we're kind of a family operation so uh, i was uh thinking of the names for the brewery and i came on my back porch and there was two dead lizards curled up and would look like a perfect yin yang so i'm like it's a sign so uh, i came in and i ran into my wife uh inside and said hey uh dead lizard and she's like what the heck are you doing in the yard <laughs> so i said i explained it to her and i said what if you drew the names out like a uh, name out like bones and stuff and she um she's a great artist so she sat down and drew the name out and uh in the our logo currently as we have it and um that's kind of where it came from. So, Richard, tell us a little bit now about the history of this uh, brewery. Is this something that, that you started yourself? or? Yes. Yeah, so um, my granddad taught my dad to brew. Okay. My dad taught me to brew somewhere around 19 or 20. And then when I went off to college, um, you can buy all the parts to Beer, brew beer without uh, being 21. So we would always brew beer in our the houses we rented. So we always had a little bit of a homebrew laying around. Uh, so it's been, I'm third generation homebrewer and it's been something I've just kind of kept in my life. And uh, my wife is a very intelligent uh, person and so she's a lawyer and an accountant and I'm a jack of all trades. And so we decided we should definitely have some sort of business and she came up with a brewery. Uh, because uh, I spend so much time about it and I was so passionate about it. She said, uh, hey, let's start a brewery. So, uh, Richard, I want to talk a little bit about, for maybe our audience that aren't familiar, how does one go, you know, to start a brewery? I mean, does it start with a liquor license? Does it start with the paperwork? Or is it to start with the creativity first? Or It is, uh, it's a daunting process, and uh, it's not for the faint of heart, I can tell you that. There's a lot of roadblocks. So, um, you know, you start with a vision, uh, you know, what you want to do, what kind of brewery do you want to have. Yeah. Uh, for me, it was something that was a production-type facility that was able to produce uh, a good amount. Um, and it, in addition, I wanted a tap room. And I wanted a tap room that could have all kinds of fun um, yeah. things going on with it with some outdoor space. So we got into the process, and it is a lot of paperwork. So there's a lot of research. you got to talk to the city. you got to talk, look at where you can put it. Uh, what kind of uh, permits you're going to need. Uh, so you run through just a ton of permits and paperwork, and then you, um, once you pull the trigger, you need to get some kind of legal advice going in, and then you start sending off to the uh, federal government, 
uh, for your license and you send off to the uh, the local government for your license. Uh, and then it's, you know, a bunch of paperwork and, uh, you know, architects building out your facility, um, getting your equipment in. Uh, that's not always quick either. Um, a lot of stuff comes from China. The steel is... Um, you know, it's usually imported, uh, so there's just a lot of moving parts, and getting it all dialed in to come into the, at the same time is definitely a you know a, a big part of it. So we we want to let our audience know, even though they can't see, we're right in the middle of the brewery, and you've got all these you know this great great equipment. So when you, when you were starting this brewery, how did you determine how big of equipment or how much beer you wanted to make? So when you start your determination, you ultimately uh want to work with your budget i think a budget is yeah, a huge yeah. thing uh how much money do you have and then you ultimately like i said you want to decide what what do you want to do do you want to make a production facility or do you just want to make uh, a tap room facility because some brewers just make a, a small brewery and they feed their tap room and that's all they do right. uh this facility as you can see is pretty pretty yeah, big yeah. uh and so there's plenty of room for growth and the tanks are big um so uh the, the room is there for growth so you definitely just kind of have to work with your budget and probably for me it was basically the largest system i could get in my budget and how was the experience richard going as a home brewer to this size equipment is that what you essentially did when from home brewing equipment to this exactly uh so my my personal situation, what I did is I outfitted my home uh, setup right. to be very similar with pumps and tri-clamps and a very similar situation to what was going on with cold fermentation uh, and crashing and all that kind of stuff. So I basically built a mini version of my system at the house. Um, and so it made it a little easier when I went into yeah. to brewing thing, the bigger batches, the the one thing I can tell you is, you know, your recipes are not linear. You don't just multiply at times 30 oh, okay. uh, to get from 10, uh, 10, 10 gallons to 10 barrels. <laughs> oh. uh, so there's a, a little bit of math in there. There's some programs that can help. Uh, and there's a, a ton of uh, calculus involved. How is calculus involved? Oh, okay. So, yeah, uh, basically what you need to do is when you're bumping up a system from a, you know, 10 gallons to 10 barrels, uh, you you go through a lot of a process. And the process isn't, like I said, it's not linear. It doesn't just jump from, uh, you know, multiply it by 30. You, you have to figure out how much grain, what the temperature of the grain is, uh, how much water you want, how thick do you want your mash, and how do you ultimately want your beer to come out tasting-wise. And then you have to do that through a bunch of, you know, calculus-type uh, mathematics to figure out, you know, how you're going to get that uh, that water just right. And now, Richard, for you, I mean, and, and for, being a home brewer, usually we get the, the, the grain already milled. We just, you know, you just dump it in with the partial mash. But, I mean, with something like this, do you have to mill your own grain? I mean, I mean, you just get a sack of grain, and then you've got to get it all ready? Absolutely. I start with just a, a giant uh, a grain delivery on with, you know, uh, a pallet full of uh, grain. And then I take the grain, and we mill it ourselves here. Yeah. Um, I control the mill as we go. I keep an eye on how, how the crush is. Oh. Uh, and so everything gets crushed in just right uh, and milled in uh, to my personal specifics. specifics. So, Richard, with these particular uh, recipes you have, were these ones that you were doing as a home brewer? Are they new? Have you added recipes? Or So, yeah, certainly. Um, as a home brewer, I brewed some of these. Uh, and when I knew that I was going to start uh, a brewery, I started broadening some of the beers that I make. Right. Uh, and so a lot of them started there. But since we've opened up, we've had over 90 beers, uh, 90 different beers on tap. And uh, 
No, I didn't brew ninety different beers as a home brewer. Uh, so I've, here it's been that, that it's been a playground really. So I just you know do as much as I can to try something new. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm getting ready to have a white stout. We're kegging it right oh, behind wow, us. That's what's going stout. on. So that'll be on uh, real soon. It's kegging right now, so we'll have a release on that real soon. So what is a, a white stout then? I mean, how how do you make that, and how does it differ from the dark? So a stout, by definition, is um, a certain percentage of roasted barley. Um, And this doesn't actually fit the real definition of a stout. But what you do is you substitute in some things. Instead of having all all that dark roasted malt, you put in uh, things that have those kind of flavors like coffee or um, chocolate. So this one has a lot of chocolate. Uh, I put some oats in it for a mouthfeel. And then I use something called cascara. Cascara is the fruit of a coffee bean. Right. So I didn't use the actual coffee bean. I just used the fruit. So it has this coffee-like flavor with a little bit of cherry-like. So it's almost like a cherry stout. Oh, wow. It's very interesting. Uh, so that's uh, the, the difference between a white stout and a, uh, a, a, a traditional stout. Traditional stout just has a lot of uh, uh, dark malts in it. So for you here, Richard, when you're making a new beer, do you make like small batches? I mean, you don't make one of these starts when, when you don't know what you've got exactly. I mean, when you're just doing a test batch. So I do pilot batches, uh, and the pilot batches are with a small system I have, and right. it's a 10-gallon oh, stuff. Oh, 10-gallon. Okay. But some stuff, uh, I'll just jump in and do a. Uh, so I have some of these, these other tanks over here. These are five-barrel tanks. Okay. The system is a 10-barrel system. Okay. Uh, so usually what I produce is 10-barrel batches, but... With uh, the system, it allows me to do half batches. So sometimes I'll half batch stuff. So, for instance, this white stout, I just went ahead and did it on a a five-barrel system uh, or five-barrel batch because the longer you get doing it and the more you do it, the more confident you are uh, that it's going to come out within reason of what you, you know, think the taste is. Oh, so, I mean, is there any beers, Richard, that usually take let, let less time to, to brew? I mean, I, I heard that ales are, are, are quicker. Is that true? Or? Yeah, so um, what you're looking at is fermentation time. Most beers take about the same amount of time to to brew. So right. the brewing process right, is brew, usually is maybe an eight-hour process right. if, you know, with cleaning and stuff. Yeah. But um, the... Beer's fermentation process takes longer, depending right. on the kind of beer and what you're doing. So a lager will traditionally take longer. A lager takes longer. The the, the simple answer is that it, it, it eats at a slower pace because you ferment at a lower temperature, so it's not as active. Uh, where an ale, you ferment at a higher temperature, so the yeast is a little more active, uh, and so you get more um, quicker fermentation. Right. Uh, so, yeah, they, they can take longer. So um, I can get an ale uh, in and out um, in 10 to 14 days um, where it takes uh, a lager, you know, maybe a couple weeks. Uh, I mean, a couple, I got at least a couple weeks in fermentation, and then there's processing time to get it out. So it's at least three to four weeks for an ale. Oh, and do you make a lot of ales here? I'm sorry, I'm sorry at least three to four weeks for a lager. I'm, okay, three to four weeks for a lager. I do some lagers. Uh, mostly what I do is ales here. Okay, lagers ales. are a little more uh, expensive. They take more time. You have to keep the tanks at a, a lower temperature for a longer period of time, and you tie up tank space for a longer period of time. Here in Florida, it's harder to keep these tanks at 50 degrees than it is you know, 60, 65 or 70 degrees. 
Oh, yeah, I remember that we were supposed to actually, with our lager, supposed to keep it to like 50 degrees. Yeah. I don't know if we quite, quite yeah. did, did it so that that takes a little more more effort uh, for refrigeration. I mean, do you have any re- like refrigeration here? or? So every one of these tanks is surrounded by a, uh, a jacket that is filled with glycol. Okay, glycol, yeah, yeah. The glycol solution, I keep it around 28 degrees, and so uh, it's set to a sensor. And as soon as the liquid on the inside of the tank gets above uh, one degree out of uh, spec, uh, the, the, the sensor picks it up, turns the pump on, and pumps the, the liquid around it, so it drops the, t- the temperature of that liquid back down. Uh, it's called a glycol cooling system. Uh, I do have a giant 400-square-foot, it's not giant, but 400-square-foot uh, refrigerator behind us over here uh, that I, I store all the beer once we're done. So, Richard, how many beers can you be brewing or processing at once, then? I could have eight different beers on oh, wow. uh, in processing place. I, so right behind you, there's five fermenters. and oh, I have, those are all fermenters. Yeah, those are fermenters, and I have three bright tanks right behind me. Oh. So technically, I could have something different in every one of these. Oh, so I mean, on average, how many beers do you usually have going at once? That uh, uh, you know, it, it's it's a strange thing. You go with the cycles, but I generally have you know four to five beers on okay. in there at a time. Uh, oh. Sometimes uh, when so- something's like you know, I've just moved this over in time to get that one in the batch, uh, then I'll have maybe six, uh, but generally you know four or five. So with these fruit beers, Richard, you know, mentioned cherries and, and things, you know, and the stouts. And then when you do you work with fruit, do those beers take any longer? Or? Yeah. Uh, so certain beers, when you add a fruit to it, you have to you have to process the fruit. And um, you put that stuff in what's, in what's called secondary. Okay. Uh, and secondary means it's after you've dropped the yeast out and you're still... Um, in uh, the uh, in, a, in a cold environment, N- not cold, but you're in a, like a, a fermentation uh, temperature environment, so around you know 65, 60 degrees or something like that. So then you might add the the, the fruit in, but you you have to wait for that flavor to impart into the beer. So uh, it doesn't just add instantly. So if you take that flavor and you put it in in a boil, the diffusion happens instantly. Those particles are b- uh, bumping it around really rapidly, and the, the flavor diffuses into the liquid quickly. If you put that into a 68-degree liquid, the particles are moving much slower, and right. so it doesn't diffuse as quick. So it takes a lot longer for those flavors to impart or diffuse into the liquid. Uh, and so, for instance, I do something called the Gila Monster Stout, and it will sit in the tank for approximately eight weeks because I add poblano peppers that I ancho, coffee, chocolate, cinnamon, vanilla, and then sometimes if you do a wood treatment, you have to let it sit for a while on the wood. Okay, uh, Richard, that sounds great. What we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break, and we will be back. My guest today is Richard Dine, who is a head brewmaster and owner here at Dead Lizard um, Brewing Company at uh, 4507 uh, 36th Street, Building C in beautiful Orlando, Florida. And um, you are listening to the Mike Carroll Radio Show, the Central Florida of Buzz, as we are here at Dead Lizard Brewing Company, continuing our look at some uh, great craft uh, breweries. And please stay with us for our next segment of this edition of our program today. Well, welcome back to our next segment of this edition of the Mike Cara Radio Show, the Central Florida Buzz, as today we are at Dead Lizard Brewing Company, 
4507 36th Street, Building C in beautiful Orlando, Florida. As today, we are continuing our look at some great craft breweries, including Dead Lizard Brewing Company. And with me today is Richard Dine, who is the head brewmaster as well as uh, the owner of uh, Dead Lizard. And uh, Richard's pleasure, honor that you could join me today. And now Thank it's you. exciting. Sure, my pleasure. We are going to talk about all these great beers. So I'm going to try to remember the one that I'm drinking. Okay. Is the cream ale, key lime cream. <laughs> I don't even tell it. Uh, it's a chameleon cream lime creamsicle ale. Oh, and uh, you put in key lime juice, sir? Yeah, so we'll put a little zest of the, um, the lime and a little juice at the end. Uh, in uh, conditioning, and it j- gives it just a hint of lime, and it's not real sweet like a pie or anything like that. It's not a key lime dessert beer, uh, but it is uh, nice and refreshing and light with just a hint of lime in it. <clears throat> okay, and then what were you drinking here? Uh, what I have is our Mutatosaurus. Uh, currently, uh, that that's called the Changing Lizard. That's oh. what that means. So this beer changes a lot right now. Right now, it's a pale ale. So it gives me license to do different uh, beers. It's usually a pale ale or an IPA. So every time I bring it out, I just kind of change the hops up and do something different with it. Oh, wow. And, and like we were saying, you've got a, a, a lizard theme here. And that, that, that's yeah. cool. With, with the name, you get a whole brand here. Over exactly. Exactly. Okay. So let's uh, talk about some of the uh, beers. So as far as the, 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 the like the lightness or, you know, heavy heaviness, like, you know, lighter beers is the one I've got, like the, a lighter beer. Then? It's, it's one of the lightest beers we have on right now. Um, in this, when the summer comes up, we'll have some lighter stuff. We kind of go with the seasons. Yeah, well, yeah. We go with two seasons. We go with summer and winter. Uh, and for winter, I bring on a bunch of uh, porters uh, and uh, stouts and some browns and some dark stuff like that. Uh, and then for the uh, summer, I bring in, I have a Hefeweizen going to come up. Uh, I do a uh, Kolsch that's going to come up. That's 321 Liftoff Light. So those will be coming up in the summer. And then this white stout coming up, that's kind of for the summer beers, uh, the summer series, if you will. Uh, and so we'll have some seasonal stuff coming up. And we're always changing it up right uh, here. So. Okay, you mentioned that you have a, a, a stout. Then, can you tell us about this this stout you have? So uh, we have a we have a chocolate stout. It's a chocolate milk stout. That's the Komodo Cocoa Dragon, and it's just a really nice, rich stout. It's not too sweet, um, but it does have a little lactose in it uh, and oats for the mouthfeel. Um, and there's a lot of chocolate in it, so it has a lot of chocolate grains in it, uh, and there's chocolate added to it two times throughout the the process. Um, and so it's a really nice chocolate stout. So, Richard, how is it working with uh, oats? I mean, obviously, good enough that you make this, but I mean, sure. is, is, it, is it different? Does it cooperate with the rest of the ingredients? The, the oats do cooperate pretty well, actually. Uh, generally, how I use the oats is I go ahead and crush the oats. Not everyone crushes the oats. You don't have to, but it gives it a little more surface area. And the oats don't really give you much flavor. Uh, they just give you a little mouthfeel. So you feel like there's something um, heavier on your tongue or something like that. And so um, it just gives you just a little bit a different um, mouthfeel, really. And it takes flavor. Like if you ever eat oatmeal, oatmeal doesn't really have much flavor. Yeah. It, if, it, if you put brown sugar and cinnamon in it, that's what it tastes like, right? So. And uh, Richard, so you, do you have uh, any IPAs? Or? Absolutely. I've got several on. Um, I have a double IPA that's called the Humpity Pumpity. I have uh, the Purple Skink IPA. That's our kind of uh, regular IPA. It's a really nice West Coast IPA with a, a real nosy uh, character. Uh, 
Um, the red we have on uh, the Trippy Pippi's Red Red Ale is actually technically an IPA in its category. It's at 77 IBUs, uh, but there's a lot of malt that kind of balances it out. So that's kind of it's it's a red ale, but it kind of fits in that uh, uh, IPA category. Uh, and then I have a pale ale on right now, uh, and so that's not, it's not an IPA, but uh, yeah. And then we're getting ready to have something come back on that we've put on several times. It's a, an East Coast uh, or a New England IPA, and it is um, that's going to be the Tropical Dishwater. That'll be on here in a couple weeks. Oh, Tropical Dishwater. So that's yeah. an interesting name and yeah. story behind that. Or? So um, I actually let one of my assistant brewers um, brew a uh, – I said, hey – you know, take the pilot system and brew a New England. So he brews up this New England, and he got a little heavy-handed with, uh, I think he put Crystal 40 in it. And Crystal 40 is a, what usually gives a little color, uh, like a little goldeny or warm color. This this one here has a lot of right. that, that amber colors from 40. So he got a little heavy-handed with that, and we hopped it up, and we're drinking it, and we're like, oh, this is really good, but it's kind of ugly. Um so we were sitting around talking about it and uh, just tossing out names and Tropical Dishwater came out because it's got this really fruity, tropical smell. It tastes great and just looks like dishwater, <laughs> but it's really good. So the, but the tropical fruitiness is actually from the hops? Is yeah, yeah, correct. There's no actual um, fruit in it. Um, it it's just uh, the hops and there's a, a bunch of hops out there that give you those different kind of flavors and uh, smells. Oh, so do you work with uh, any fruits like apples or peaches? or? Sure, I work with uh, a lot of different fruits. Um, so I work with the limes here. I, I do a lot of citrus. Right. Uh, and I have done um, see, pineapple, oh. mango, guava, star fruit, um, probably a few others I can't remember right now. But I, I've worked with lots of different fruits, sure. So do you mix any of these fruits t- together, making like a tropical <laughs> fruit or beer drink? So um, I did a New England before uh, that had pineapple juice in it. Oh, uh, so we wow. put some uh, some pineapple yeah. juice in there and gives it a little bit of extra fruitiness. Oh, wow. So you, you is is that what a lot of it is, Richard, is tri- trial and error? I mean, you come up with an idea and you might say, this is a great idea. And then maybe when you taste it, it's maybe not, not. I mean, there's there's just that kind of let your imagination take its course. Very much. Uh, there's uh, there's a sign right over there. We can't see it, but it says uh, brewing is art. Right. And to me, it's, you know, you, you play with it. You, you know, try something new and uh, you feel be creative with it is, you know, um, my theory. There's so many different ways and things you can put in in beer and ways to make it. Uh, it's you know it's a it's a it's a playground really, uh, like I said. Uh, and so the great thing about the tasting room here is that that's my testing ground. Right. So I'll sometimes, like I said, I'll brew something on a ten barrel batch and I'll throw it on and it'll literally there's two kegs of it or something like that, right. and I'll get um, a real small amount of it and I'll you know have people tell me what they think sometimes i'll take the same beer and hop it differently right. uh, just on t- 10 gallons so i'll have five gallons of this way it's hopped five gallon it's hopped that way and i'll throw it in there and i'll ask all the bartenders hey keep an eye on what people think what they like sometimes i'll put them on side by side and you can do a comparison oh. so like i said it's fun it's it's beer it's, you're playing with beer so 
Oh, so that's great, uh, Richard, that, you know, you want, uh, you know, what the guests think, you know, you want their opinions. I mean, do sometimes the, 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 you know, just the fact that two kegs are gone, like in a certain amount of time that people can't get enough of it, even if they're not saying it's good, you get the idea that they like it. Huh? Absolutely. That's kind of one of the things. We'll look at the sales trends on stuff. Yeah. And, you know, if something just seems, if it comes on it. Just uh, you know, goes off within you know a, a certain amount of time. Then you know that that's something people are really uh, coming back for more. They'll drink one, and come back for more, and so they're really it, that's 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 people voting with their uh, with their glass. <laughs> so when that happens, Richard, when you know when you, when you you sell out that that quickly, are you kind of racing? Are you kind of like we got we got to make more of this? Is yeah, it? absolutely. Um, there's certain core ones I try to keep on, and right. if they go off, then I, then I feel bad. But if, if I just, I'm trying something, it goes off, then I'm like, well, okay, I'll, I'll get it back on and get it back on as soon as I can. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Oh, so, you know, we're talking about all these different beers. Do you have, did you mention that you have seasonal beers, like something for the holidays or Christmas or, you know, different uh, seasons? Or Sure. So, uh, right now we have on, uh, like I said, our, our dark menu. So, we have a couple of stouts on. I have oh, a, okay. I have a uh, salted caramel on. That's kind of uh, for yeah, the dark season. Right. We just finished the, uh, we just moved into spring. So, we're just finishing off our, uh, our dark menu. And I have a Gila Monster Stout. The Gila Monster Stout is a big thick heavy stout with chocolate coffee peanut or i'm sorry chocolate uh, vanilla cinnamon it's got a little bit of poblano pepper in it i thought ancho so it's a real big beer uh coming up for the summer i have a hefeweizen uh orange glad i didn't say banana and i'll have a yeah. uh, a three two one liftoff light kolsch uh so we'll, those are our seasonals coming up for that and then uh we're always you know i'll during this season i'll come up with something else and we'll throw something else i might pull a lager coming up for summer or something so and how is it, uh, Richard, working with nuts again? How do, how do they cooperate? So nuts are um, an interesting, uh, interesting beast. So we do in the, the, the dark uh, menu season. Uh, I do a uh, roasted pistachio nut brown, uh, and it's delicious. And pistachios, it's a really great flavor. But it is a little bit difficult to work with. They, they can clog up some of your your lines when you're trying to push stuff out. Uh, but generally, what I do is. Um, I'll re-roast them because I'll, I'll rinse them and so that, and sanitize them. So I'll re-roast them, uh, heat them up to re-roast them, and I'll literally run them over with a forklift <laughs> oh. to crush them out pretty good. Uh, so I put them in between two boards on a and a, a little sack in there, and I'll run them over with a forklift. Oh. So do you use just about every kind of uh, nut, peanut, even though it's technically not a nut? Yeah, I, I have used some legumes, um, and I've used macadamia. Oh. Uh, macadamia does not impart a lot of flavor. Right. Um, pistachio works pretty good. Pecans work pretty good. Uh, peanuts are okay. Um, you try to stay away from oilier nuts. You want to get, get those oils out. Because the oils can uh, kill head retention, uh, and uh, they, uh, they they'll, they'll separate from the beer. And now getting back to these, these fruits uh, that you use, uh, Richard. I mean, when you put these fruits in, did, did you worry that, it, like we found out, that the beer could start refermenting again and then take away some of that that, that sugar from the fruit? Or absolutely, uh, the yeast will eat some of those sugars, and so uh, it depends on when you put it in. That's why you put it in in secondary. Right. Well, there's there might be still a little bit of yeast in there, and it might eat some of those sugars out because yeah. some of those sugars you want to keep. And 
and some of it you want to let them uh, dissipate because you don't want to put something in a bottle or something that's still got a lot of yeast and sugar in it, so it'll pop on you. Oh, so yeah, there's a. I mean, is there any ingredients that you don't think you can make a a beer beer of? I mean, is there there any fruits, any anything, or is there anything? A ch- well, I don't know about a hamburger beer, but I mean, is there any cha- challenge? Yeah, uh, somebody was talking to me about shrimp the other day. Oh, shrimp so beer. I don't I don't know. We're, we're I'm still still thinking about that one. <laughs> So, but mo- mostly you focus, like I said, on on a- ales, or I mean, mm-hmm. you have all. And is that the, the great I- thought, thought or idea that you have all these di- different, uh, you know, beers, something for everyone? Or that, exactly, uh, I try to keep on the menu. When you look at it on the board up there, yeah. if you pull it up on our website, it is. Um, very diverse everything from something light to super dark and i always try to keep something even when in the summer menu while we're focused more on the lighter beers for the summer menu there's still a good amount of dark stuff up in there uh so yeah there should be something for everybody who comes in i'm not just going to be stuck with you know two styles of beer i try to keep as many as possible Oh, so uh, you you mentioned that you you get ideas, you know, from from employees, from from staff. I mean, do you ever get ideas? You know, there was a particular brewery, uh, you know, another one that I interviewed where a guy came in and says, I got all these peaches. You should make a beer. And they made a beer. I mean, I don't know if that ever happened. Absolutely. I'm thinking about doing something with Yuzu. A friend of mine uh, or a a client comes in. He's uh, become a friend, uh, has a Yuzu tree in his uh, yard. And so he brought me a bunch of yuzu uh, which is a it's a japanese uh, citrus uh, with a really thick rind and a really amazing delicious citrus flavor uh, and they use it with sake uh, in japan uh, there's a yuzu sake so i'm thinking about doing something with that so that's exactly on point so do you make any like uh, cider ciders here or I don't make ciders. Ciders is a different license, and oh, I have yeah, not wine license. Yeah, I have not bothered to get a dual license. So it's you know I, I'm I got my hands full with uh, yeah. With, you got yeah. Enough here. <laughs> but do you ever think about making a? I, I don't I'm, I don't know if it's shocked up, but one of the brands has this wheat apple beer. I mean, has that something you've ever so, thought about? Uh, I, I do something. I do the um, the hefeweizen with oranges, and oh, so that's orange. that's kind of like that's like a, similar to a blue moon type of thing. Okay, that's a okay. wheat beer with um, uh, it's got a lot of wheat in it. And it's a half of ice, and so um, the other thing I do make here is called a tonic. Uh, it's like a, a hard water or oh, something yeah, like that. that it's yeah. a it's a clear type of. Be- uh, it's not technically a beer; it's a clear liquid because it's made with a grain. It falls under my license, and I can make it. So I do something called the tilted tonic, and so we, we make different uh, different flavors of those. Uh, one of the big ones we have is a strawberry rhubarb tilted tonic that people just gobble it up. So with your license, you can make an apple beer, but not an apple cider. That huh? Well, it, it depends on what you're fermenting. So I can put apples in a beer, yeah, yeah. but I can't ferment just apples. Oh, okay. So if, if the apples ferment a little bit, that's okay. But I believe it's 51% of my um, grain bill, my fermentation has to be barley or wheat. I didn't realize there was all these kind of restrictions and the these uh, the things here. Oh, Absolutely, interesting. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the the TTB makes it uh, very. They spell it out pretty specifically what you can and cannot do. They want they want money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yes. So, yeah, the, you have all these, uh, you know, b- beers, and you mentioned that, uh, you know, you try to have, you know, anywhere from five to eight uh, beers at, 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 a, at a time, and uh, d- is, is there ever a time where you have less less beers, or you always try to, you always try to say, I want to be at least making a certain amount then? Well, we usually have about 13 beers on tap. On tap. Okay. On tap. Uh, and in the tank, I have five fermenters, so I try to keep them as uh, working as possible. Uh, and so a lot of that just depends on uh, what the distribution company is asking for and how much I'm selling out of the tap room. Certain times of the year you sell more, so I can't have um, you know everything just stacked, flowing out if I'm not selling it. So it, you just, you're just, I'm keeping up with what my demand is, and so then you really just kind of have to dial in what your demand is. Okay, uh, Richard, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back. And I want to talk about all the uh, events and activities and all the fun stuff you have uh, here. Uh, We are here at Dead Lizard Brewing Company, 4507 36th Street, Building C in beautiful Orlando, Florida, as we are continuing our look at craft breweries, uh, which uh, includes uh, Dead Lizard Brewing Company. With me today is Richard D. Dine, who is the head uh, brewmaster as well as owner of Dead Lizard. And you're listening to the Mike Kara Radio Show, the Central Florida Buzz, and please stay with us for our very last segment of this edition of our program today. Well, welcome back to our very last segment of this edition of the Mike Kara Radio Show, the Central Florida Buzz, as today we are at uh, Dead Lizard Brewing Company, 4507 36th Street, Building C in beautiful Orlando, Florida, as we are covering some great uh, craft breweries with this show, including Dead uh, Lizard Brewing Company. And with me today is Richard Dine, who is uh, owner and head brewmaster of... Uh, Dead Lizard and uh, Richard. Now, what we want to talk about is well. Before we get to that, I want to talk about some of these, you know, beer festivals that uh, you know we're go- actually we're going to one. I don't know if you're going to be there, but uh, wh- what is it? P- Pints and Paws. You're going to be at that one, or I don't know. There's, <laughs> don't there's know, so many sure. coming up. Uh, I don't. Uh, w- w- which when is it? Do you know? It's actually that next. The week from tomorrow. No. <laughs> okay. No. But uh, you, you've been at, at these, and I've seen you at, at, yeah, at Salmon. How, how does that necessarily work? I mean, is it something where they say, hey, bring us uh, free beer and, you know, promote yourself? Or Yeah, most of them are pretty much that. They want you to come out and bring a tent and set up and uh, pass out samples of your beer, uh, and then you get promotion out of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then some of them will actually pay you to bring oh, your beer. Um, and, and then some of them... Uh, I, like the um, the big one here in town will basically donate money to the Brewers Guild if you if we bring a certain amount of beers in and then we donate to the Brewers Guild. Um, okay, and now let's uh, you know as we were talking about, you have certain activities in the tap room that go on here. Sure, we have all kinds of stuff going on uh, on Fridays and Saturday nights. We have live music um, just about every Friday and Saturday. We have food trucks as well. Um, we have a great barbecue guy. Pops on uh, uh, Smoke Shack comes out on, on Saturdays, which is great. Uh, and then, for instance, uh, on Saturday, tomorrow, uh, the day before St. Patrick's Day, we're going to have a 0K walk run. Uh, <laughs> so there's uh, absolutely no running involved. <laughs> and we're going to have a couple of bands throughout the days. Uh, we'll have some, uh, some food out there, and we'll have all kinds of activities going on. And then there's going to be a... Uh, costume kind of contest where people uh, walk across the finish line <laughs> for our 0k uh and then uh we have uh 
uh, we had a homebrew, we had a giant homebrew competition here. Our second annual was, uh, was last July. We're coming up on our third uh, in uh, this summer, and uh, basically uh, the winner comes in and we'll brew a batch here on uh, the system with uh, their recipe. So there's always something going on. Check your calendar or check, uh, I'm sorry, check the calendar on uh, deadlizard.com uh, or on our Facebook because there's, there's always something going on here. And, Richard, I want to talk about your food policy. Are you like every other craft beer uh, place in Orlando that uh, you don't serve food so you can bring in any food you want? Absolutely. <laughs> we, we keep popcorn here. Oh yeah, I saw that. Uh, yeah, maybe some peanuts or something like that. But uh, yeah, uh, we have some uh, snack stuff in the in the uh, in the refrigerator. Some you know meat trays and, and cheese trays, stuff like that. Uh, hummus. Uh, but yeah, if you want to order a pizza, order a pizza. Stop by, bring in a picnic. You know, help oh. yourself. And but like I said, on on weekends we'll we provide uh, some food trucks and stuff. And that's uh, you know, food and beer is good. So, but yeah, bring in your food. Oh, and again, like a lot of breweries in Orlando, do you have anything with dogs or dog days or do anything? We do that? a pints for paws here. Um, oh, you do a pints for paws right yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. So we do one here in our in our parking lot. We have a, a really big parking lot here, so we cut that off, and people come out here and bring their dogs. And um, we just did a, a thing a couple of weeks ago uh, for the fire department, who's one of our neighbors here, where they brought in some dogs and did a. Um, a dog demonstration because they're searching rescue dogs. So yeah, we're dog friendly, and um, yeah, I got two dogs at the house. So yeah, we're we're dog people. So bring your dog. And uh, Richard, do you do uh, any sort of like parties or special events? Can people have their birthday party? Here? Absolutely, uh, we do stuff like that all the time. We just had. Um, Another podcast uh, coming here, Pete and Pete from a Nickelodeon show. They oh, came wow. in and they rented out the space yeah. and they had a, a big, um, big uh, shindig out here. And you know, people will come in and they want to rent the the, the the tap room or they want to rent get a drink ticket special or something like that. So yeah, people come in and do their birthday here a lot. They come in, and they'll do like a buy X amount of drink tickets and pass them out for their friends and or you know rent out the, this room back here. There's uh, the brewery's actually got a lot of really cool stuff in it. Have a giant light bright. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, Richard. Now I want to talk about your location. Uh, we, we, we want to let everyone know if they're familiar with Holy Land Experience. You're not too far o- away. And you're how far are you from the, the airport here? Try to get my bearings straight uh, here. From the airport, we're probably a good 25-minute drive. Okay, so um, not too bad. Yeah, but we're... We're five minutes from Universal Studios right oh, here. Oh, okay. Uh, and we're right around the corner from those parks and maybe 20 minutes from uh, Disney. Uh, and we're a minute, literally a minute off of I-4. You can get off I-4 and be right here uh, really quick. Um, and we're across the on the other side of the highway from the Mall at Millennia. Great. And one thing, uh, Richard, I always like to tell my listeners, because I know a lot of people that travel do what's called a chill day, where they just kind of want to relax. They want to take it easy, maybe stay in the room, maybe go out. And I always say the craft breweries are the perfect places, especially in the evening, just to chill, chill out before you go back to Magic Kingdom for 12 hours. We get that a lot. We get uh, people come in here and they're like, uh, I can't do the park today or it's a rainy day or, you know. They, they you know, like they can't spend you know every day at the park, so like they'll take a day, and we get a lot of people like that. They'll come in here, they'll bring the kids. We've got games, we've got video games, board games. There's a shuffleboard, a foosball, uh, all kinds of stuff for uh, families to come in and just enjoy themselves and uh, have a beer or two and uh, enjoy. So we get a lot of that. People just come and do their off day from the park here, or they just got off the plane, or they don't. Their flight doesn't leave till six or seven p.m. Yeah. and we're open at noon, so they'll come by on a Sunday or whatever and be like, "Oh man, just have a beer or so before we Uber to the airport." 
And, uh, yeah, absolutely, we get a lot of that off day. And they always want to come in and be like, where's a local place to eat? I don't want to spend $150 feeding me and, you know, my kid and wife. So where's someplace we can go that's local? That's Where do you go to eat? So, uh, you know, our bartenders are always telling them, you know, good places to go. So that's absolutely what we get a lot of here. Okay, Richard. Now I want to talk a little bit about your website and social media so people could check you out. So you have a website here? Absolutely. DeadLizardBrewing.com. Oh, and that, that you were saying, has a list of the beers at the current beers then? Sure. So what's on there, uh, once you go there, you go to the tap room, on, and it says what's on tap. Right. And it is, uh, it's literally connected directly to our, our board inside, which is powered by Untapped. Uh, and so anytime we change a beer out, we instantly change it on Untapped, and it updates the website oh, and uh, the Facebook as well. So you can always find a, a live listing of, of exactly what is on, on tap here. Oh, so that that's pretty cool, Richard. That you said as soon as it, it you know, you you get a new beer and it just automatically changes. So what you see on that is you're, you're go- going to have, yeah. Unless you come like right at the point where yeah, it changes, exactly. Unless something blows between the time it uh, you got in the car and you came here. So, but yeah, that's generally a live listing. Oh, and and do you have like uh, you know a staff on hand if people are looking for the a per, uh, you know a particular beer or have a particular style that you could help them select the perfect beer? Absolutely, all our staff is trained in beers. Um, some of them are Cicerone, uh, and they when you come in uh, and you uh, generally what they do is if you look a little like overwhelmed, yeah. they'll start dialing it down. What kind of beer do you like to drink? Well, right. what do you yeah. like this? And we'll give you samples and they'll run it through and figure out the perfect beer for you. Uh, we, like I said, we usually got about 13 beers on, so we got to find something for you because we're all over the place from lights to darks to half of Hefeweizens to reds, stouts, porters, browns. <laughs> oh, so you got all the colors of the Yeah, rainbow. we got all the colors and uh, and then we even have one that's a clear one, so that's the tonic. So, Oh, oh that's uh, pr- pretty cool. And like you said, you put grain in it, so as long as you put a certain amount of grain yeah, in it, you it's can a, it's a grain. It. It's, a, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a corn product, so it's okay. made with grain, grain, grain corn's grain. Yeah. So it, it fits. <laughs> Do you actually brew it, or is it brewed? Uh, or? Yeah, it, 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 well, it's, yeah, it's brewed. Yeah, yeah, it's brewed and fermented. So. Oh, Oh, that's, that's great, uh, Richard. Well, we really uh, appreciate your time. It sounds like you've got a great uh, operation uh, here. Any final thoughts or anything else you'd like to mention about Dead Lizard? Um, one of the things that we love about Orlando is it's a great growing uh, craft beer community. And on Thursday nights, I offer a beer geek training. So come in and ask for Richard. We'll get you set up with a flight and come out and we'll sit right here where we're sitting right now. And we'll talk about beer and we'll just nerd out on some beer. Oh, great, uh, Richard. Yeah. And again, yeah, the, the website was de- deadlizardbrewing.com. Uh, deadlizardbrewing.com. Oh, okay. So uh, that sounds great. My guest has been Richard Dyde, who is the head brewer and owner of Dead Lizard Brewing Company. As we are here today, as we are covering Dead Lizard uh, as a great craft brewery, we're here at 4507 uh, 36th Street, Building C, Orlando, Florida. And you are listening to the Mike Kira Radio Show, the Central Florida Buzz. And please catch us again next time. You've been listening to the Central Florida Buzz with Mike Kara, the podcast for Central Floridians who want to be in the know what's happening in Orange Lake, Osceola, and Seminole Counties. Sponsored by the Central Florida Home Brewers, the premier craft and homebrew club. Learn to brew beer, kombucha, mead, and make wine 
by visiting www.cfhb.org. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you back here next week.